You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was, was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, yielding seed and, f- and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which, there's, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves, which, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and each winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth and god said behold i have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food 
and to every beast of the earth and every, to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Nikki. We are um, we're embarking on a little journey here for about five weeks. And uh, this is a, a journey to the cross. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Jesus and... Um, we're going to see Jesus in a lot of places, hopefully, as we go forward. Pastor Dave and I, we, we I, now all of you who are regular attenders or members of, of Life Church, you know that Pastor Dave and I come from fun country. We enjoy having fun. We enjoy life. We, en- just, we just enjoy it. It's, it's something that we have always thrived on is just having a good time and laughing. We believe that laughter is good medicine, that sort of thing. Um, and we're a little bit crazy, and uh, all of you know that. I mean, you know what you're getting into when you ask us to be your pastors. You got it, okay? Uh, and that's all good. But, but there's something that happens to Pastor Dave and I both, and it happens in February. February is a very difficult month for us. It's just been too cold for too long. It's cloudy and dreary. We don't like it. Uh, so we spend a lot of our time trying to encourage each other in the month of February. Uh, and we do this seriously. We are, I mean, this is a little bit of a struggle for us. And we think about beaches and we think about going on short-term missions trips, not because God is telling us to, but we just want to get away. Uh, I didn't get to do that, but Pastor Dave went to Africa, you know. Uh, he seemed to have found a way to, to, to do that. It took adopting a little eight-year-old girl, but he did that. And, uh, and they're back now uh, as of yesterday. Uh, and so Dottam is trying to, to adjust here to, uh, to America and, and a, a, a nice family and all that kind of stuff. Um, but one of the things that Pastor Dave always says to me when, when we're going through this kind of pit is he goes, he goes, it's February. It's February. He's very serious about it. And he goes, but March is coming. March is coming. And then he goes, March is the month of hope. <laughs> now you all are laughing. This is the way we do it. You know, I mean, we are struggling. We are serious. But ma- ma- March, March, it's out there. You know, it's... And it's here now, all right? So we're in March. We're in the, the month of hope. But the real reason that we call March the month of hope is March is Lent. March is that time when we look to the cross and we look to the greatest hope of all, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we very much want you to be people of hope in these coming days. Now, Nathan and Christina are going to be teaching this afternoon. They're going to teach here. Uh, they're going to be teaching every Sunday in the month of hope, all right? And they're going to be looking at covenants and talking to you and extracting from covenants and breaking them open so that you can see what the Old Testament says uh, about hope uh, and about a faithful God and all of that. And they're going to be also leading you to uh, Easter and to the cross. I'm going to try to do that in terms of preaching to you during this time. Even Pastor Dave's going to jump on board and uh, preach you a sermon during the month of hope. Uh, so it's going to be really, really good, okay? It's going to be a fun, a fun journey for us to, to go through this together. Um, now, here's what I want you to understand. I'm talking to Life Church in particular uh, for a moment here. We have just been through a huge process. This process has been one of really trying to discern the will of God for this church and how we're going to reach out into the community, uh, into the, to, uh, the nations beyond us, around the world, uh, 
Life Church has always been a church that is missional. Uh, we're very much advocating that we, we continue to be missional and that we reach out and we share the gospel all over the world and we help people in any way that we can, and we do that a lot, okay? But we've been really pushing you to, to pray and to fast and to seek God and find out what is it Life Church is supposed to be doing, and then we're giving you all these ideas and these goals and we're setting up committees and all this stuff is going on uh, around us, and we know that the change is coming, and we don't know what that looks like, and so some of us are a bit concerned about what that change is going to actually be and entail. Uh, and here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to right now is center Life Church uh, back a little bit here. We're not going to lose our momentum for what we're doing and what we're trying to discern from God. But for five Sundays, would you refresh? For five Sundays here... Would you just refocus on Jesus? Would you just come, come back to center? All right? Now, those are some very familiar words to some of you because we did a series for a whole year just on Jesus, and we call it Centered. And that was a pivotal time in the life of this church. And so we're, we want to do that, in a sense, in, in like a, a return. We want to take you back for the next five Sundays, beginning today. We want to take you back to center you on Jesus, all right? And so as we do that, uh, we want you to rest. We want you to be refreshed. We want to take you into Easter. And Easter Sunday, we want you to be so refreshed and so rejuvenated spiritually that it's just going to be an unbelievable time of celebration for you, Okay? So that's kind of how we're going. That's, for, that's where we're going here, all right? So with that, let me talk to you this morning a little bit about the idea of redemption. And we're going to talk about it from this basis of Genesis chapter 1. So I want you to kind of look at chapter 1 of Genesis with me a little bit. And she's, uh, Nikki did a wonderful job of reading it here. And what I want to do is I want to kind of show you just something in, in, in God's Word that is just kind of the wonder of the Word today, all right? Um, and, and there's so much in, in what we are looking at today and what Nathan and Christine are going to share with you in their overview of the Old Testament, and they're going to be looking at, at stuff in about the first 11 chapters or so of, of, of Genesis. I want, to, I want to just help you to see God in these foundational chapters here of Scripture, all right? Um, so foundationally, I want you to be, be right here in the first part of Genesis. They're going to move you on more than I will, but then I'm going to take you over into the New Testament just a little bit um, because I want you to understand the entire point of the Bible. I don't want you to miss the real point of the Bible. And so I think this passage here sort of sets the stage for everything else, all right? So the truth that we're going to see here and that we're going to ground ourselves in, uh, we need for the rest of the Bible, Okay, we, need, we need to have a really good, solid foundation right here. So what I want us to think about today is, is sort of these, some of these mammoth truths, all right? these really big truths. I don't want to get into to details in this sermon so much as I want to talk about the, the big things, all right? about who God is, uh, about who we are as a part of creation. About, uh, we'll even talk a little bit about the truth of who Satan is and, 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 and sin and, and all of that stuff. And in particular, our need for redemption, the fact that we all need God, that we all need to be redeemed, if you will. All right? So I want us to see... Um, over the course of this month, if you will, as we read through these Old Testament passages, I want us to see this grand story of Scripture. I want us to be able to really look at the whole of Bible and say, you know what, I can get around that. 
I, I can actually see my life here. And I can actually lay myself in, into this story here. So I want us to see how it is, it's not just a bunch of like fragmented writings and stories here. I want us to see how they all fit together uh, and how there's one grand story and we can find our story inside of that story and we can fit in, all right? So this morning we're going to look at the, at the very beginning. So we're kind of in the prologue, so to speak. Um, and so we're going to look... Uh, kind of at this part of Genesis here as being the beginning. Um, but the reality is the story is, 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 is really a, a longer story, and it, it has a wonderful end to it. Um, and in all, I want you to be able to see how that the Bible is this, this, this sort of this message of redemption and how it just plays out all through here. Okay, so what you're going to see as we go through the five weeks, hopefully, is you're going to see something like a play, all right? Um, and, and this play is going to have different acts, so you're going to see Act 1 and Act 2 and Act 3 and so forth, and there are different scenes within each part of it, and that's kind of the route we're going to take. And so I want you to see how it all comes together here, and I want to show us, uh, hopefully through this time, how that God redeems His people in this great story. So we're going to start this morning with these opening chapters in Genesis. I want you to see a little bit about the nature of God. I want you to see a little bit about the nature of man and creation. We're we're going to talk a little bit about sin. We're going to talk a little bit about Satan. And then we're going to talk about all, all these points put together, how they bring us to this understanding of how we have a need to be redeemed. So here we go. Let's, let's get into this just a little bit, okay? Uh, I want to pray for you. Father, we need you this morning. We need you to help us that we may have eyes and ears to hear and see, and that our minds can understand. Would you give us clarity this morning to understand how we fit into this scheme of things and into this great story of rescue and redemption? So, Father God, we look to you as our creator today, and we ask you to speak into us through the power of the Holy Spirit um, and that you would seal this work that you are doing in us as you are changing us and growing us and maturing us to become become uh, major disciples in your kingdom, that you would seal all of this uh, in your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so first of all, let's talk for a moment about the nature of God. Um, what, what do we see, what do we discover here in this passage in, in uh, Genesis about God from, from the very beginning of the story? We discover that indeed God is the supreme creator, all right? God is the supreme creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This sentence alone, just, just saying that, or this sentence alone, this verse alone, uh, can capture our attention for a while when we start to try to think about it and comprehend that. In the beginning, God created, all right? That means that God was not created, all right? God created, God is not created, all right? So he, he was and he always will be, all right? And so he brought the work of creation to this sort of intense, really like powerful beginning here that we read about, that, that, that Nikki read to you today, all right? This is, this is a powerful uh, time here of God speaking and things are beginning to happen here, okay? So obviously we know that, that there, are, there are theories and there are ideologies and there are things that are prevalent in our day and always have been that would, would try to refute this idea that God is the creator, uh, but... But, but at the end of the day, we, we all need to be able to say, hey, the truth is God is creator. The Bible says so, and, and, and we believe that, and we verify that in a variety of different ways. Um, I, um, I, I, believe, I believe it's David Platt that shares a blog 
uh, or he did years ago. He shared a, he shared a blog, and in, in his blog, he quoted a gentleman. That gentleman's name was um, uh, Robert, um, Robert Zastro, I believe was his name. Uh, anyway, uh, Robert wrote something. Now, Robert, by the way, was, he, he worked at NASA, uh, and he was uh, involved in the, in, the, in the Goddard Institute for Space Studies, a brilliant man, just a very, very brilliant, brilliant man. And uh, this is what he wrote, all right? So this is a quote from uh, Mr. Zastral, all right? Um, he says, the details differ, but the essential elements in the astronomical and biblical accounts of Genesis are the same. This is an exceedingly strange development, he says. Unexpected by all but the theologians. They have always believed the word of the Bible. But we scientists did not expect to find evidence for such a, an abrupt beginning. Because we had, until recently, such extraordinary success in tracing the chain of cause and effect backwards in time. But he goes on to write, he says... It seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. And as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. Wow. (laughs) Isn't that great? Just been sitting there. God is the supreme creator. He is transcendent above all creation. And this means that as supreme creator, he is distinct from the creation itself. He is our father. He is our God. He is our creator. We are his people. We are his children. We are his creation, if you will. All right? So... Having that been said, getting that out of the way, all right, we understand that not only is God a part of creation, and creation is not a a, a part of God. God is supreme over and above, transcendent, okay, if you will, to creation. He is the supreme creator. Therefore, the supreme creator is also the sovereign king, all right? I want you to to understand this. His sovereignty means that he exercises this kind of rule. And it is like a kingly rule. It has power over all of creation. There's nothing, folks, there's nothing, absolutely nothing in Genesis 1 that is happening that is not under his control. And for that matter, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that happens even in Genesis 3 that is not under his control. Everything is under the kingly rule and reign and sovereignty of Almighty God. All right? So, he is, he is the sovereign king. He's the, he's the great creator. He's the sovereign king. Third thing I want you to understand about God today is that he is a righteous judge. He's a righteous judge. As God creates things under his rule, he establishes laws here that govern the, the creation. They're evident in Genesis 1. They're evident in Genesis 2 and in Genesis 3. As you know there, they become disregarded. And immediately we see God as this righteous judge, this one who judges sin, if you will. And all of his judgments, please understand this, all of his judgments are right. All of his judgments are pure. All of his judgments are holy. 
And this is clear throughout all of Genesis, even what you're going to see further down as we talk about these covenants. And as, as Nathan and Christina talk to you, you're going to see that all of the judgments of God are right. All of the judgments of God are pure, they're holy, they're good. Throughout all of this, when God brings the flood, you're going to see that it's right, it's pure, it's holy for God to, to do this. And this is, this is a deafening kind of reality for you and I to understand this. We don't, we, don't, we don't grapple with this very well. It's very difficult for us to wrestle with this God. Uh, who is sovereign, and yet we see things happening around us that can be challenging or can be difficult. But I want to tell you something. He is a righteous judge. Every single one of us in the room here, one day we're going to stand before a judge. All right? He will judge you in your sin. He will be just. All right? God is not only the righteous judge, though, he is also the merciful Savior. And that's where we want to get to. That's, that's where we're going. That's what we're looking to, is that he judges us, yes, but he judges us as a righteous Savior, if you will, okay? He's merciful. So he's a creator. He's a judge who is not indifferent to our need, all right? So he, he is supremely loving, and he is infinitely good. I want you to get that today, all right? Out of, out of all that we talk about today, I want you to understand that God is supremely loving, Above all, his love is amazing, all right? And he is infinitely good. He never stops being good. And whether it's his grace or his mercy that we see uh, here, uh, uh, we, we may see it as where sin entered into the, to the world. You may get it right there. It may become a revelation to you. It may be later. But he is always righteous in his judgment. He is always merciful as a savior. He is always supreme as this creator. He is always sovereign as this king. And there's never a compromise in the character of God. And that's, a really, that, that's the great beauty of God. You got me, guys. Lord, help you all. You got me. I am a lowly man. I am sinful in my nature. I'm redeemed. Hallelujah. I am redeemed, but I am standing with you. We are shoulder to shoulder. We are people. We are humanity. We are sinful. We are in need. Come on, guys. We are in need of a God who can save us. I don't, I don't need a God who can't do that. And I need, I need to be able to understand that I can't save myself. And all the works that I do, all the things I try to do to save me are never going to save me. And so I need to quit. I need to lay that mess down, as we say down south, all right? Throw it down. It ain't going to help you. But Jesus is your present help. He is your gift of God to you today and he is there to do what you cannot do all right so he is supremely loving he is infinitely good and, and in this portrait of god that i'm trying to paint for you here this supreme creator sovereign king righteous judge merciful savior and on all of this has to be foundational in the scriptures all right uh, and it is all right? And he is all of these things all the time. All right? So he's not a judge at one time and a merciful savior at another time. He's not, he's always righteous judge and merciful savior at the same time. 
you, you get around people and what will they do? They'll love you one minute and they'll hate you the next. They'll affirm you one minute and they'll criticize you the next, all right? They'll set you up one minute and they'll judge you down the next minute because we're fickle and we're funny and we're human and, we, and we're dumb sometimes, you know? And, and we're ruled by emotions and, and, and other weird things and desires and all that kind of stuff. And we have identity issues and problems until we come to Jesus, and so I want you to understand that you can't look at, at the world around you and then try to relate to God. He's not created. He's not part of creation. He's the creator. And so he's on a different plane than you and I, all right? And so there's never a compromise in the character of God. And all throughout Scripture, we see this. And you're going to see it as we go through these five weeks. You're going to see it beautifully, I hope. So that's God. Let's look for just a moment at the nature of creation. Creation, according to Genesis chapters 1 and chapter 2 especially, are fashioned by the Word of God. All right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. It was void. There was darkness over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, that's a key piece right there, okay? God said. God said spoke if you will all right and so when when god spoke here he said let there be light and the amazing thing happened there was light he spoke it it happened all he did was say something and it was he spoke and light he he, he spoke he said you see it over and over again verse six all right uh, it, it says it. He spoke. Verse 3. Let's go. Verse 3. God said. Verse 6. God said. Verse 9. God said. Verse 11. God said. Verse 14. God said. Verse 20. God said. Verse 24. And God said. Verse 26. Then God said. And every time what God said became. This is this, is this amazing creator, if you will. God is speaking and everything in the universe is coming into existence in response to His Word. All creation is being formed by His Word, subject to His Word. Creation is fashioned by the Word of God, sustained by the power of God. It's all happening as He speaks. There is great power in the Word. And so I want to challenge us that we, 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 we get this great foundation as we start here out of Genesis, all right? So we have this omnipotent God that is at work all over the place, if you will, all right? Stars are being put in the heavens and they're being held in place by the power of God. Oceans just come to a place, a wave just comes to a place and it stops and doesn't go any further by the power of God. The sun and the moon, they rise and they fall and, and they do exactly what God has instructed them to do according to His power on the earth. The, the, the fish in the, in the sea, the birds in the air, the creatures on the ground, they're all sustained by God, all right? So, so, so God is, is, is at work. The reality is your very breath is sourced from God. He breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living creature. This is amazing what God alone has done. Adam did not say, okay, I think I'm going to breathe now and become alive. Adam, Adam didn't make himself. Adam didn't make Eve. God did it. He did it all. The only reason your heart is beating at this moment is because God himself is sustaining your heartbeat. 
I understand in our society we want to be in charge. We want to be the one who's taking care of ourselves. We want to be independent. We want to say we did it. We want to accomplish something. We want to get credit. We want to have all of that kind of stuff. I am horrible in this respect. I, w I, I want to be self-sufficient. I grew up in a southern family on the wrong side of the railroad track, so to speak, in a very poor and impoverished neighborhood. And you didn't just get out of there unless you worked hard to do it. And my dad worked really hard to try to do that. And he would sit us down once in a while. He didn't talk to us very much because he was always busy working. But every once in a while, he would have a moment. And he would say, hey, let me tell you something. You pay your part. You do above and beyond. And let me tell you something. You do it for yourself because you don't ever want to need anybody else. That's the way to do it. He would grind that into our heads. And I remember the day that came when I am before God and I'm really miserable. This is one of those epiphany kind of moments, you know. Like I know my humanity and I know I'm a human being, but every once in a while I have a strange encounter with God. It's amazing. And he does something and it shifts me. All right? And this is one of those kinds of moments. But it was God sort of saying to me, you know what? You think you, you, think you got it. You think you, you, you're this big independent guy who doesn't need anybody. You have no idea how much you have need of me. You can't do this, Bill Carpenter. You can't be what I'm calling you to be in your own strength. See, you don't understand because I, I'm, I'm the little guy that got called to preach the gospel who has to come and stand in front of you and preach the gospel. And my wife can, can probably verify this. But in the early years when I first started to do this, what I'm doing what now feels pretty natural to me. It's not like I don't get nervous or whatever in front of a group of people. I do a little bit, but not very much. Um, I'm the guy who used to get up every Sunday morning because he knew he had to go and preach the gospel in a little church up in North Dakota. And I would throw up. Simply because I knew I had to go and stand in front of people and speak. It was a given. Every Sunday morning, throw up. Couldn't handle it. I'm like, there's no way I can do this. I can't live like I'm going to die soon. This is going to take me out. But see, I was trying to do it in my own strength. I was trying to say, I can do this. I got it. I still do that. Ask my wife. I got it. I don't need anybody. It's the most isolating mentality you could ever have. Folks, we need this God. We, we need this God to help us. We can't not do what we are called to do without this God. This, this God of creation who has created us. All right? This is, why, this is why Pastor Dave can come in and preach to you and then run off to Africa. But in the meantime, he says, you're not your own. He just leaves you right there. You're not your own. Die. Present your body a living sacrifice. Die. I'll see you in two weeks. Because it's, it's, it's the word of God. We're called to do that. We die to ourselves. We do this constantly. We do this daily. We do this often. We die to ourselves. As a living sacrifice, I'm dead. And as I said to you last Sunday, it's not me that's living or you, but it is Christ living through us. And so that's what we have to, to look at here, okay? So, so he can preach to you, uh, that you are not your own because 
Your heartbeat is not your own. Your breath of life is not your own. All right? And, and, and let me talk to you college students for just a moment. There's a whole bunch of you in here. All right? You can sit. Don't go back and tell your, your instructors I said this, but I'm going to say it. You, you can sit in your science classes and your other classes and you can hear about how climate changes and plants grow and bodies work and all these kinds of things. And, and all these things are, are attributed to, to all of these theories and these rules and, and these things that, that govern uh, creation. I, I know this. I understand that. Uh, I, I get it. All right. But not one of these things is self-sustaining. Every one of these things that you're learning are sustained by God. They're God-sustaining because He is the Creator. All right? That's a given. That's where it's at. You can't, you can't get around that, all right? And so, so when you see God that way, then you begin to understand Christ and His work in the earth because then you go over into the New Testament, so I'm grabbing you real quick and I'm throwing you over here into the New Testament for a moment. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, He, Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. Wow. Colossians 1.17 says, In Christ all things hold together. So, fashioned by the word of God, sustained by the power of God, creation is this evidence to us of this great God and his sustaining power and his ability to hold it all together. So when your world is falling apart, don't go into yourself. Go to your God. Go to that place where you can find strength and where you can find hope, all right? I'm going to talk about a God who did it good, all right? You, you read this in here, verse, verse 10, uh, verse 12 in chapter 1. God saw that it was good. Did you hear that when Nikki was reading? God saw that it was good. Verse 18, God saw that it was good. All, all the way to the end of the chapter, Genesis 1, 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. This is not some standard of goodness that's outside and apart from God. It's not just some kind of thing that other people look at and go, oh, well, that's good. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, that's nice. We're talking about creation here. And God is looking at his work and and he is finding satisfaction in his work. And this creation that we see is a reflection, if you will, of the beauty and the loveliness and the goodness that is found in God. In creation, you should be able to see God. Creation is reflecting that. It's reflecting order. It's reflecting beauty. I'm not talking about going out here behind our our little church building in the alleyway and looking around and go, oh, I see the beauty of God. You're not going to see it right there. That is not going to happen. No, you're going to go back there and look, ooh, sin did come in the world, didn't it? Last night. It was here. You see it, you can touch it, you can smell it. All right? But we're talking about getting out there and seeing creation and seeing the order of creation and seeing the seasons and seeing what God has done and seeing it all working together and all ebbing and flowing. And somewhere in that, I'll tell you what, if you'll take the time, God will speak to you. And you will see Him as the Creator. So what does that mean? That means that God created us (laughs) in His image. And what does it mean to be made in the image of God? We probably look at, at each other and we're like, I don't know. How, how do we explain this, this, this whole thing of 
it's good. We're created in the image of God, and it's, and it's good. How do, we exp- how do we explain this to one another, even in the body? All right? Three times in these first 11 chapters, Genesis 1.26, Genesis 1.27, Genesis 9.6, they all talk about how we were made in the image of God. But, but not, not one single time there do we really see it spelled out and, and do we really get what that means? So, so we got to kind of base it on this sort of this picture of creation. Uh, and, 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 and there we begin to understand what it means to be made in His image. And so, so I want us for just a moment to, to think about that. What do, we, what do we see here? To be created, I think, in the image of God uh, is, is to have a unique reflection of God in our lives in some way that is different from everything else. All right? I hope that I reflect God much differently than a music stand does. I hope you really don't see God in this music stand. I hope you never really see much of God in this music stand. We could make some kind, I mean, if we stretched it out, I'm sure we could come up with some analogy of God in this music stand. But we don't need to, all right? Because it's just a music stand. That's what it is. But you, you're different. Man, in his God-given ingenuity, created the music stand. Hallelujah. But it's just a music stand. But God created you in his image, in his likeness. When my dad was alive, occasionally people would say, I see your dad in you. I hated that word or that message. I don't want you to see my dad in me. They would say, I see your dad in me. What they were saying was, I see characteristics. I see situations as a young man. Now, as I got older, and I would go back home to visit people, they would say things like, oh, my God, honey, you look just like your daddy. And I'd go, oh, it's getting worse. (laughs) It's getting worse. And one of the last times I went home uh, to see some of my family, my daughter and I were, were there, and, and someone said, your daughter looks like you. And I was like, I like that. And then the other person in the room said, mm-hmm, and you're the spitting image of your daddy. I said, it just got the worst it can get now. You know, I am just identically like him. You're not going to be identically like God. But in his image, there are aspects of your life that should show as the creator, as the giver of life, as the one who loves us, as the one who is sacrificial, as the one who has our best interest in his heart and has done everything he can possibly do to redeem us, somewhere in there, our lives need to display some evidence of God. So what does that mean? To, to be created in the image of God, we, we are this unique reflection of God that, in a way, uh, is different from everything else that has ever been created. We're crafted as a reflection, all right? So, so there are, so there's, some, there's some obviously extreme differences between us and God that separate us from God, but there's something about who we are that is different from everything else in all creation, and that is that we are the reflector of the Creator. So, so when someone says about a boy he's the spitting image of his father there's some sense in in which you look uh, at a man or a woman you you look at someone uh, and, and you're able to say they're a reflection and so we look at each other and say you know what I see God in you I see God in you 
I, I went to an uh, African-American church a few years ago, um, and uh, a lady got up. She was the sweetest woman in the world. And she got up, and she, she was walking around and talking to everyone. She had, you know, she had the microphone, and she's just talking, and she's sharing her, sort of her testimony of her life and what God had done for her. And she'd come from such a horrible situation. And, and, and her theme was that God took me from ashes to beauty in Him. She said, I know I'm not a pretty person necessarily as far as looking upon, but the beauty is the holiness of God. If you only knew what I came from and where I am now, you see this, this, this great beauty, you know, and she's walking around. And, and I, I, I'll never forget it. She, she, she walked by me, and, and not because it was me. I mean, she was just walking. I just happened to be sitting on the front row. And, uh, and she walked by me, and she, she came back. And I, but I was like the only white person on the row, you know, so I'm sure I, she, she, she just saw, saw that. And she looked at me, and she goes, the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. <laughs> I'm going, I don't know about your theology, but I really like this right now. <laughs> this is going good. <laughs> and I picked up on it. I smiled big and said, so she, you know, she, she went with it too for a while. But, but Christ in us, alive reflects the glory of the Father. And I want to challenge you today that as we start this, this series, if you will, going forward here, I'm, I'm going I'm to close here in just a moment. And I got a million more things to say, but I'm not going to say them today. All right? But I, I, this is what, I, we're at the crux of this thing right here. I want you to understand something. Jesus died for your sins. All right? God has created this wonderful, wonderful rescue for you. There is no other way but through Christ. And his intent and his desire is that there is a reflection in your life of something wonderful. And it can be in very tangible ways. But there is something that you are doing in your life that reflects the image of a loving God who desires more than anything to work through your life and flow through your life. This is why he gave the Spirit to you. The Holy Spirit has been poured out for you that you may be filled with the Spirit. And as you are filled with the Spirit, God begins to reflect His imagery of Himself through the activity of your life. And as He does that, as He does that, He gets glory. In other words, He gets credit. All right? And that's the other problem a lot of times. We want to take credit for our own efforts and our works and, and our accomplishments and all those things. You've probably done a lot. Every one of you. I'd give you the benefit of the doubt on anything, okay? You've probably done a lot. You're all bright people, great people, beautiful people, all right? Uh, you have ability, you have gifts and talents. You've done, done a lot, okay? But let me tell you something. Whether you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, what you've done, you've not done in your own strength alone, I'll tell you that. The grace of God has been there. He is a creator. He created you, and He has deposited those gifts and those callings into your life. And as He has done that, He has set up opportunity. And that opportunity is like a, an Esther moment. You kind of play with those words in Esther, for such a time as this, for such a time as this, you've been brought here. I believe you all came here. I don't believe, I, I said this the last time Christina brought a whole bunch of people to church. 
I give Christina great credit. She is a wonderful, wonderful professor. And uh, I love her teaching. I'd sit under her teaching any day of the week, all right? And, and I always get something from her when she speaks in, in the church here. I just love it, all right? Um, but Christina didn't bring a single one of you here today. There is something above Christina, students, and that is the sovereignty of God. And if you came because of some other reason or some other circumstances, you didn't come here because that circumstance forced you or brought you or led you or called you or drew you. You came because a sovereign God saw fit for you to be here and to hear this message. You're here because God loves you, because you're His creation. And He's loved you so much that even though you were born in sin, He has made a way out through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that way out, that redemption, that rescue is yours by faith in Jesus alone and nothing else you can do. So this sovereign God, this, this amazing King, this wonderful, wonderful, merciful Savior has done this. All right? It's yours. It's yours to have. There's no strings attached. It's yours, okay? But here's what I want you to understand today. The end of this story is, and I said I would take you into the book of Revelation. I'm not going to take you there for the lack of time, but I'm going to tell you what's there. What's there is the end of the story. In the beginning... It says we have this wonderful garden and God is there and he is, is having this wonderfully intimate relationship with Adam and Eve, his new creation. And it's all good and there is no sin. But Satan came in and we're, we're going to talk in, in this five-week period about Satan and about his character and, and his nature and all that kind of stuff, okay? But Satan came in and Satan convinced Eve and Adam to eat the fruit. And they fell from grace. And they were pushed out of the garden. They were pushed out of this wonderful place. But when you go to the book of Revelation at the end, it talks there about this same Jesus who holds it all together. And it talks about this new heaven and this new earth coming down. And it talks about this place that is just like that original place that we just talked about. And we have to live in between that. Crunched and squeezed in here in this place called sinful time. But God is still God. Jesus is the Redeemer. And you have the ability to live in a place of the Spirit. And as you live there, God will sustain you. And He will prove as faithful as He can possibly be. And you can understand it from covenant to covenant to covenant. And that is great. But you can understand it most in that personal relationship with Christ. All right? So my encouragement for you today is we're in the prologue. We're in the beginning. We're in the starting place. We are looking to that wonderful redemption of Jesus Christ. And we're going there over the next five weeks and explore that together. So I hope you will be with me as we do that and with Nathan and Christina as we go through all of this together. All right? Let's go to the cross. Amen? All right. Okay. Nikki. Well, just like Bill said, um, the one that created the world has not abandoned it. Um, the one who created each and every one of us has not 
left us to our own devices, but the sovereign king humbled himself and came here as one of us. Um, And uniquely through this Jesus, we can know God and we can know what God is about. Um, In his earthly ministry, Jesus was about healing people, bringing new life, setting people free, breaking chains, and making a way where things seemed impossible. And he took on every every hurtful thing, every harmful thing, every evil thing, and he died and conquered it. And the good news is he is alive, he is risen, and the king who came for us the first time is coming back for us. Um, and today, if you are aware of how broken you are, that you are unable to get out yourself, if you need healing, if you need to be set free, you can come to this Jesus And he is able to do that. The one who conquered death is more than able to set you free and to make you new. Um, And if this is new to you or if you need um, prayer, you can come up and talk to our prayer team. We'll be up here to pray for you, to pray with you, to tell you more about this Jesus who is coming back to make things completely new. Um, And so I'll just pray. And when... I'm done, you're either dismissed or you can stay and be quiet for a while. Um, Jesus, we thank you and praise you as the sovereign king, as the savior, as the one who has come for us and the one who is coming back for us. We praise you as the healer, as the one who gives sight to people who can't see you, as the one who makes a way where there is no way. Um, Jesus, we ask you, to be among us right now. Spirit, we ask that you would speak to each and every one of us to reveal this Jesus to us. I pray that you would set us free, that you would heal us, that you would make us new. We praise you that you are thankful, that you are capable and able to do this, and we are thankful for that. Um, I pray that you, that you would make all things new. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, the risen one, and the victor. Amen.